Welcome to Food and Loathing, coming to you from the suddenly very autumnal Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. I'm your host, Al Mancini, offthestrip.com. Samantha Gemini Stevens is co-hosting with me this week, and the one and only Rich Johnson is producing the show. Tried to make another one, but it, the mold broke, you know. <laughs> Shattered. I have to talk to your parents about that. That's right. <laughs> I suppose I could try to say something clever about each of them, but they're clever enough to speak for themselves, so let's have at it. Gemini, Rich, how the hell are you on this fine October morning oh. at Casa de Johnson? Oh, I love it. It it's is nice out here. One of my favorite places to record. It's getting so tranquil. Really, really tired of 90 plus in the middle of oh, October. Yeah. Now we're just down to 80 plus. Right. <laughs> yeah, but we're in that weird period which we get our autumn that happens. It's only a, it's, it's a Vegas autumn. It lasts about two weeks mm -hmm. and it's that period where you still need your air conditioning for part of the day, but yeah. then you kind of feel like you need your heater for another right? part of the day. Yeah, you know? yeah it's, it's actually just... cold a couple of evenings going, what the hell? Yeah, we're... It's 72 degrees. Whoa! Just <laughs> about to get out the blanket after four oh, and a half, five yes. months of just the sheet, you know? Uh, well, look, if you are new to this podcast, the concept is pretty simple. A bunch of foodies and a very tech-savvy and lovable yeah. junk food aficionado sit around and talk about the food scene in Las Vegas. We interview some experts. We break some news. Occasionally, we even say something profound, more frequently something profane. Um, yeah. But we really just try to re report – Or sorry, we really <clears throat> just – what are we trying to do? Oh, I can't even talk. Basically, it's a culinary conversation yeah. that happens whenever some Las Vegas foodies get together and start talking about restaurants. Um, and we're just kind of trying to recapture that here in podcast yeah. form. So, of course, we start every show telling you about the places we have been dining. Rich, how about you, man? Where have you been eating? I brother? went to an actual place this week. No Woo! way. Yes, yes. Well, a familiar <laughs> place for uh, if you're a listener to the show. Good old Ada's Wine Bar Sunday. Yes. It was Jackson's Chicken at the bar, a little crab cake, the wonderful sweet corn ribs, which is just a corn cob sliced lengthwise in four, quickly deep fried and slathered in miso butter, scallion, and Aleppo chili. Uh, and I also That's fell in love. That's a fun dish. I really I love yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I had yeah. it on Monday. Joanna loves that. <laughs> uh, fell in love with Cat Thomas, the wine goddess who poured us this wonderful champagne. Uh, uh, oh, cat's champagne. amazing. Yeah. Had all kinds of choices and possibilities there. And great prices on wine. Absolutely. Aiden. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big wine drinker. I don't know very much about wine, but I know that um, Cat always remembers what Sue has had in the past, what she liked, mm -hmm. always brings it over, and it never crushes us on the bill, right? No. We don't have to worry. There's yeah. a lot of places where you go and you can't just put yourselves in the hand of a sommelier because you know that you're going to hit the sticker shock, yeah. you know, but you can do that with Kat because she's not looking to gouge anybody. No. They have a lot of wines that are, I'm told by wine experts, sort of lesser known, you know, yeah. lesser mm -hmm. known vineyards, but they're good and they're affordable. Yep. One of our first stops uh, several months ago, I found an Oregon uh, thing called OPP, Other People's Pinot <laughs> from uh, uh, Cat Noir or whatever it is. And, and I went there. Okay. My last trip home, oh, yeah. I went down the valley and got some and brought some home. And yeah, a beautiful light. Uh, and at the place, it was only $35, $45 a bottle. At uh, retail, it was like 20 22 So pretty good stuff to That's have. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And like that. Uh, our home uh, major meal last night, uh, a turkey loin, little chunks of turkey breast marinated in olive oil, garlic, lemon juice, zest, rosemary, parsley, uh, chunks on skewers with hunks of peppers. And uh, on that grill right over there behind yes. you, that Weber grill, uh, they um, they turned out very nicely. The, the oil, it was weird. She said... The, the turkey breast kind of absorbed the oil as opposed to just leaving it on the outside, uh, yeah. which made it kind of heavy, kind of rich. Yeah. Uh, so it, it didn't have the whole batches as usual. Tonight, it's back to uh, the plaza for me in the latest edition of the Oscar Dinner Series, where Oscar Goodman talks about the good old mob days. Uh, that is still a great bargain if you can get in. And it's a tough ticket because they sell out. Very fast. Say, how do we find out about this? Yeah, it's at the Plaza Casino. Uh, excuse me, I should have it here. PlazaHotelCasino.com. It's 150 bucks, and you get the, the the bread and the salad and the either a steak or a fish, a dessert for the t uh, sides for the table, and the the talk. They always sell out, so grab seats uh, when you can. That's for great. That. 
And then you always find out where the bodies are buried. <laughs> or good drowned, one. yeah, yeah. Or denied, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm worried when they start um, calling Mayor Goodman, the former Mayor Goodman, up to testify to identify these bodies <laughs> right. that are washing up in Lake Mead. Because yeah. you know he knows who all of them are. <laughs> He did a whole talk like two talks ago about that, and he denied everything. Of course he did. He's an attorney as well. He should. Yes, he should. An attorney should never really know the crimes their client commits. Yeah, I like that. They should. um... He said, "All they know, I want to know, is where were you when this happened?" Yes, and then and it's not at that place. Then we're good. All I need to know. That's all I need to know. Who else may have been there? None of my business. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so that, those things have to be fun. I'd really like to go. I'm going to go with you one of these yeah, yeah. days, man. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't mind. I, I don't will, know. I, I will I'm make not it sure happen. how the Goodmans feel about me. I've asked them a few questions. You know, they're, they're solid people, though. I mean, you know, I've asked. They're, they're, they're good people, but they know how to handle the press. Good. Well, one Anderson Cooper interview notwithstanding. <laughs> yes, but yeah. generally, you know, if you ask them a tough question, they've always, they, they take it with, yeah, um, yeah. with professional grain of salt. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. do like those guys. Awesome. You know? Uh, Gemini, what about you, man? Where have you been dining? Well, I haven't seen you guys in a couple weeks, so um, I'm going to go back a little bit to um, a couple Fridays ago. Um, went to Esther's. I hadn't been there because we haven't talked about a James yeah. Cruz restaurant in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of it, we went to Esther's, and there was a bunch of friends in town. There was like seven of us. I think there was supposed to be eight, um, and we took over the outside tables. They squished everything together, so we had this basically this great big table set up for us. And we wanted to try the fall menu, so everybody just kind of deferred to me, which was a, li- a lot of fun. <laughs> and I just kind of went down the menu and said, "Yes, yes, yes, yep, yes, yep, yes." Yep. <laughs> so we tried everything. Um, Standouts, of course, were the cauliflower risotto, the beef cheek agnolotti, butternut squash tortellini, arancini alla matriciana, duck crispel, which is uh, comfy duck, really crispy with a salad. Um, the Mafaldi Nero is a black, I think it's a squid ink pasta, and it's got some lobster in it. It was super tender, really, really well done. And, I mean, my favorite of the moment is the pasta el zucca. It's spicy. It's got sausage. The pasta looks like almost like little pumpkins or gourds. Wow. And it's just a really rich, fun dish. And because we were sharing everything, it, it nothing got too, too heavy, thank God. Um, and then, of course, we always get the sourdough. You get the spread of all the things. And the Little Gem Caesar is, in town, still my favorite Caesar. Oh, yeah. And as I we just, record this, James is in uh, Europe again. He Italy, is, yes. Putting up pictures the last <laughs> couple of days from Venice, which is, uh, I just want to max out my cards and, right? yeah. and go. I'm living very much vicariously through him and a couple of other people that are running around France and Italy right now, just uh. going, oh. I'm so jealous. 2020 <laughs> was the year that I was going to go to Italy, and um, oh. it was going to be me and my family, and you know my parents were buying. I had a, a million Amex points. I was going to yeah. upgrade everything. I was all Boom. super excited, and then bam, no, no. COVID, COVID, and I don't see that happening. I'm burning through some of those points coming up this week. As a matter of fact, I'll <laughs> tell you, you more should. about that. Um, but man, um, I'm so jealous of him being in Italy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so after that, um, we uh, ended up uh, being exposed to COVID, so we stayed home a lot. <laughs> Had to wait forever for the PCR test. The home tests were positive, so we were kind of scared, and we were both having like some like sinus stuff, but it's Vegas, so it could have been allergies, it could have been anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we took no chances. We did the test. Thankfully, ended up being negative. Um, so we did a lot of leftovers. We had done bon me with some friends, and so we had that for a couple of days, and then we took some of the extras from that, and we turned that into egg bowl, egg roll in a bowl. I didn't know that was a thing until I started saying I was going to make egg rolls, <laughs> but I was too lazy to wrap them. <laughs> so you just kind of just <laughs> made yeah, a sloppy so mess of egg roll of, filling? Basically, yeah. So instead of using ground pork, I used um, some leftover pork belly that we had done for the bon me sandwiches, and I mixed that with the pickles and some fresh veg and a whole bunch of of uh, Asian herbs and spices and just made a sauce for it and decided screw it and we threw in some some prawns that we had and I love the way of- you wow. handle leftovers because like if I can just fucking reheat the pizza without burning it I feel like I've done something and wow <laughs> It had to get used, and it was really good, and I didn't have to waste all the time to wrap them and fry them, and it was still really tasty. So, um, yeah, I didn't know that was a thing until I was describing it to somebody on the phone. They said, oh, yeah, that's what this is called. And I went, okay, (laughs) sure, let's go with that. Um, Yeah, so once we were cleared from COVID, we did go out to pick up the Jackson's Fried Chicken that you had. Uh, We brought that home. We ate it watching football, just had a nice chill day. It had been a really busy week, even with the the COVID isolation. so we're regular patrons of the chicken, so we had to have that. Um, we went back to Ada's on Monday because uh-huh. a friend was in town, and, and she was staying at the JW. And we got 
almost all veggies. The grilled radicchio right now is amazing. We talked about the corn ribs. Um, they had a yep. couple of other really great things. I think the only protein we got was the scallops and the garlic shrimp because you have to have the garlic shrimp. It's just so good. Mm, yes. So highly recommended. So good. It is just yeah. delicious. Like I could just eat that all day. So sloppy and the, it the is. bread is just like because <laughs> it soaks up everything. Soaks up everything. <laughs> yes. And it's that crusty James Tree yes. bread just dripping in garlic and wine yeah. and shrimpiness. It's and perfect. yeah, it's the big sloppy. <laughs> now I think mess. I might have to go over yes, there. Yes, I'm thinking uh, it might be. Uh, they're open for lunch, aren't they? They open at two o'clock, I believe. <laughs> ah, yeah. yeah. It, it's such a sloppy mess. Literally, there's like yeah. garlic going to, in oh, my yeah. beard when I'm done yep. with it. And it's and yeah. it's all worth it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the last thing we did really was uh, we popped into the Hard Hat Lounge Grand Reopening this weekend. Um, they had a big party on Saturday. I know, Al, you knew about that. <laughs> I knew about <laughs> it. I tried to go. I'll tell you more on that in a second. Um, yeah, well, they had closed off the parking lot, and uh, they had a couple of carnival games, which was a lot of fun. They had a mouthy guy in the dunk tank who just identified himself as Jimmy Effin. Jack, <laughs> all one word. Cool. <laughs> I'm Jack. Uh, and of course, the the more banter, the more he got dunked, which was great. Um, they had a high striker game, which is that that over the. You know, throw yeah. the hammer over your shoulder. Um, they had a wrestling exhibition match. Yeah, that's about all I could see while I was driving around the edges of that was fucking wrestling. Because you can see man. it from two yeah, sides. Yeah, you can see it from two sides. Uh, so, and then, of course, Gorilla Pizza. They've been there. They're celebrating not only 60 years of the hard hat, but new ownership and Gorilla Pizza's second birthday. Um, so I got to talk to Robbie about that a little bit. That was really great. Uh, and to think he almost left town two years ago. And here we are celebrating him buying the bar. I yeah. just think that's so amazing. Yeah, it's just one of those great Only in Vegas success stories. Mm -hmm. Wish I could be one of those one of those <laughs> days. But, uh, I mean, no, seriously, yeah. the guy who just, you know, he comes to Vegas, he craves Detroit-style pizza, he starts making it in his backyard, starts giving it away free for free. Free ETLV, baby. Um, develops a huge <laughs> following, gets asked in by a divey, and I say dive bar with all the love Absolutely. that I have for dive <laughs> bars, but divey-ass dive bar <laughs> in the middle of a you know, weird-ass funky weird neighborhood. Town, yeah. And um, next thing you know two years later he's buying the damn building yeah and you know or he, business. He, he, was all, he was all he was all but gone yeah. um you know he was he was two days into a nine-day road trip in california he was leaving he was gonna go back to michigan wow. mm -hmm. and he got the phone call so or instagram message rather yeah. so um i did write about that on off the strip so that popped up yesterday if you guys want to go take a look cool boom hey did you quote me in off the strip.com not yet <laughs> no not yet that okay. one's coming out, that soon. out soon <laughs> that's funny uh, then I won't tease it too much. But I like when you ask me for a quote on something, I'm like, oh, I'll tell you what I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. Um, where else are we on this? Have you hit anything else? Or are we up to yeah, me? I think it's you. up to Your you, turn. man. It's up to me as yeah. I go through this rough script. Thank you for printing this for me today. Of course, I In big my... type, too. I know. Big type for old man eyes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, where have I been? I started uh, Dom DeMarco's Pizza, uh, a shindig my good friend Mitch Schneider hosted. It's worth mentioning um, that actually Dom DeMarco's is a really yeah. good pizza place over on West Charleston, yep. and it is a sister business of Brooklyn's DeFaris Pizza, and we had a great time over there hanging with my man Mitch Schneider and all the cool kids that he invites out, way cooler than my friends. Um, present company excluded, of course. <laughs> nice You're cooler saves. than anybody <laughs> Uh, on Saturday, I decided to check out the new Fall at the Terrace Lounge at Green Valley Ranch, and my friends at Station were kind enough to invite me for a meal at Hank's Steakhouse prior to that. You know, I briefly lived in Henderson about 15-ish years ago, and I spent a lot of time at Green Valley yeah. Ranch, but it has been ages since I've dined at Hank's, and I had honestly forgotten what a beautiful restaurant it is. The front dining room in particular, with the crystal chandeliers and the shades of blue, mm. it's really uncharacteristically elegant for a steakhouse. Yeah. The closest place that I can would compare it to is for vibe is really prime at Bellagio for a steakhouse, yeah. but it has been a few years since I've been there either, so maybe I'm <laughs> off. But you know, that's that's what it drew to mind. Um, of course, the food was fantastic. Um, well, I guess I shouldn't say, of course, some people may not know if you haven't been there, but you know, the station casinos always take their steakhouses serious, yeah, they yeah. do. And I know the Fertitas like to dine at all yep. of the steakhouses from the budget ones in the lower Absolutely. priced hotels all the way up to the fine ones. Hanks and T Bones, of course, are now the crown jewels of that collection, and I tend to eat at T Bones more frequently. But Hank's really worth rediscovering. Um, some great appetizers. I had some mussels, which were a deli special, that were great. The crab cakes were just the mm. biggest lumps of crab meat I I've seen. 
seen in crab cakes Ooh, in that. ages. Just beautiful with a little Dijon sauce. Service was great. And despite being stuffed, we splurged on banana fo- <laughs> bananas foster for dessert. Because I like to watch servers play with fire. Yes. And yes. It was cool. Absolutely. Went over to the terrace, um, fall at the terrace. Just a really nice, I, I would say like... If you have a great That's backyard, right the- it's right off the hotel lobby yeah. at Green Valley Ranch in, in, in view of the pool. You know, if you have a beautiful backyard with a pool in it or something, like, you know, both of you I know have great backyards. It may not be, you know, you may be like, why do I have to go over there and hang outside? But for somebody like me who doesn't really do it at home, being able to go to a gorgeous hotel and hang out on a nice patio on an evening oh, poolside, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. just, it's such a cool vibe. You don't have to be a hotel guest to do it. And I had a lot of fun over there. So. What I appreciate about it is, is I do really love my backyard. But there's something really kind of homey and really nice about it at the same time when you kind of have that same vibe somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is bringing the drinks. You just get to relax. Yes. Maybe it's that. No it's still up. that really cool patio furniture. It's really comfortable. But yeah, you don't have to deal with it. There's something that makes it just a little more casual and a little bit more inviting. I like that. Yeah. So this is a seasonal pop up. They want to take advantage of this autumnal Absolutely. weather that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So I would I would highly recommend going over to check it out while it's going on if you're just looking for a place to get outdoors. Yeah. In, Leva- in Nevada yeah. right now. And have them somebody bring you stuff. Bring yes, you stuff. Bring you bring stuff. Bring me stuff. Yeah, cool witch. <laughs> we had that night. She was very, very nice. And I had a lot of fun. After that, I tried to go to the party that you were at at Hard yep. Hat Lounge. <laughs> First of all, the place has a parking lot that usually only accommodates, what, a dozen cars yeah, to begin with? Yeah, it's not with. very big to begin with. And there were probably clear. a couple hundred people there. <laughs> and it's not in a neighborhood with ample parking. No, There's a not. lot of street parking. but I, So I just drove around yeah. and around and around looking at everybody having fun. Fun. And finally saying, fuck it, I'm going home. Right? Sorry. Bye. Wave to you, Robbie. I hope you're having a good time. Yep. Got to see some wrestlers, which was weird. Um, were they like, did they have the Mexican luchador masks Not on? Not when or were they, they first no? started. Okay. But then I went inside for a while. And then I got to separate and talk to Robbie for a bit. So I might have missed some of no, them. No, I wasn't then. sure. It just might have looked like they needed them, right? It was so much fun. Uh, on Sundays, we finally got into Crossroads Kitchen for their new brunch menu. Um, Sue had a breakfast burrito. I had the stuffed French toast. Both were excellent. Of course, they were both 100% vegan. And I got to say, Tal Ronan's one of the few chefs who can serve me faux meats, and I won't bat an eye because he understands it just about better yeah. than just about anybody I've ever okay. met. I mean, he was involved in developing a lot of those faux meat products. He's been a spokesperson for several. That's so cool. I don't know wh- what, which ones he's involved with now, sure. but when you hear he's working with Impossible or Gardein or something like that yeah. or Saitan, you know that he really, well, Saitan's not a brand yeah. name, but you know. Beyond. Y- yeah, yeah, beyond. You know that he really knows what he's doing. He's going to spruce it up himself, really make it taste good, and he does it right. There aren't a lot of people that could serve me that. He can, and I'll dig it. Um, but, man, I have to tell you, the bagel tower. And I posted some pictures of this. And it, it, it to look at it, it almost rivals the Sedell's bagel yeah. tower. Wow. Yeah. just looks gorgeous. But you're looking at the locks, the really smoked carrot slices. How was that? I mean, I, I liked it. And I hate carrots. Carrots are one of my least favorite ingredients on the planet. I don't like the, well, that um, says wow. a lot. the natural sugar mixing with the earthiness. But the smoke that he put on it, certainly not enough to make it taste like lox. Let's be straight okay. up. Yeah, yeah. You don't think they're lox, right? Okay. But they it neutralized to a certain extent the things I don't like about carrots. Cool. It made them a lot of fun to have. Of course, with the capers, then he had um, a smoked, I'm doing the air quotes thing, the yeah. smoked mm-hmm. white fish spread that was made with hearts and palms. I happen to love hearts of palms yes. i thought it was okay. a really cool spread a lot of um cream cheese of course vegan cream cheese schmears that yep. he does and these tiny mini bagels the bagels they're not you know they ain't sadell's bagels i'll be honest <laughs> with you but this was such a cool dish and it was beautiful to look at it was fun to eat it was super original and it did taste good so bravo tal ronan is is a rock star so That's awesome. i gotta give him credit yeah uh, one more. I finally dined at the brand spanking new Spiadon- Spiadini Fiamma Italian Bistro. Let me say that again. Spiadini Fiamma Italian Bistro at the Rampart Casino, JW Marriott. Um, this is a same place. Same name, different chef? Same name, different chef. Okay. Gustav Mahler owned the original Spiadini. Right. He had sold it shortly before COVID. Mm-hmm. And I guess they were going under that name. But then they just revamped it after sh- shutting down for COVID. Yeah. So um, I actually I spoke with Chef Paula um, Smagash, or Smagash sorry, um, about what she's doing over there. So let's play that. With this menu, we are focusing more like neighborhood comfort cuisine, um, a nice, bright atmosphere. Uh, we have an open kitchen. So definitely the 
cooks are always on, on stage, on show. Uh, we added some pizzas as well. Uh, and then focusing on, I guess, a variety of things. Uh, a little bit of everything in addition to uh, $35 bottles of wine. Cool. What are the house specialties? Of course, we have pizza. We've got uh, seafood frutta de mare. We have burrata. We have uh, hand-dipped ricotta on some of the items, the baked rigatoni, uh, linguine and clam specials, some chicken parm. And I had a lot of fun. You know, she did for me an, a pizza that had four of their specialty pizzas, each doing a quadrant of the nice. pizza she Whoa. brought out. Nice. So that made me feel so special. You don't have to order four pizzas to try everything. Yeah, I didn't have to have as many leftovers to take home. And this is weird. When people ask you what your favorite dish is, and I think the best dish I had was a dish that I wouldn't order, and that was um, the sausage with Calabrian um, chilies on the pizza, yeah. right? It was really good, but it was super spicy. We all know I'm a pussy when it comes to spice. <laughs> it was too spicy for me to eat more than one slice of, okay. but it was really good, oh, right? So nice. anybody who is not a pussy is going to like this dish. They're going <laughs> to okay. like it a lot. Um, we also did, I did linguine and white clam sauce. That's always something that I go as a go-to. Yep. Um, okay, this is weird, and I, I'm fine if you guys are listening. Take this as a little creative criticism or positive criticism. So many clams on this dish. Not enough pasta. Oh, wow. And oh. To the point where it almost felt soupy, right? Like oh. that there wasn't enough sauce to kind of carry it. Now, I'm okay with that because I had so much to eat that I don't need a pound of pasta <laughs> right. delivered to me. I thought it was a fantastic dish. But in the world that we live in, especially when you're going to locals or people that go to off-strip casinos, they always want leftovers, right? They always want a lot of pasta leftovers. So, And pasta is the least expensive ingredient in that dish, the pasta, right? So while I was happy with it, I would suggest maybe upping the pasta so people don't bitch. I am not bitching. I thought it was great, but that would be my only complaint about that No, I think you have a point. You that need that dish. carrier for the sauce. You need that that sort of foil against everything else. So, so yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. How was uh, chicken parm? Uh, we didn't do the chicken <clears throat> parm, but Sue did a baked pasta, which I don't normally do baked pastas, yeah. right? And then they put all the cheese on it. It gets messy. A little too heavy for me just because that's not a dish that I have, but it was fucking good. Okay. It was really good. good. If, I, so if that's your kind of dish, look at those. I want to get over there because I saw on some social media a few days ago uh, that the uh, Triple George downtown has taken the chicken parm off its menu, <gasps> and Scott at what? Vital Vegas is in some kind of weird shock morning. And I hope <laughs> Are we to see him tonight. Yeah, and so I want to drag him over to this place, and we can sample it and see what's going on. Well, chicken parms are making a comeback in this town. Yeah. I mean, we've got a great one. Not to plug James Trees again, but I, also yeah. Lito Pasta yeah, 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 yeah. does a really good one. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that are doing it. Rosa Restaurante does a great chicken mm-hmm. parm over in Henderson. You know, it is that... and. That East Coast red sauce is coming back. That's not what – this place is not purely a red sauce joint. It's set up to look like a coastal – remember 10 years ago when everybody was talking about the Amalfi Coast? Oh, yeah. And one of these kind of bluish – Yeah. (laughs) Um, The the vibe of this place um, is very – of Spiadini is very much that blue – shades of blues, open kitchen, that Italian coastal – Feel okay. by yeah. not the red checker tablecloths yeah. and so that kind of stuff. So they softened it a lot then. Definitely yeah. softened it up. Um, but they do have a lot of the red sauce dishes on the menu, so you will find them. There is a chicken parm on the menu. We toyed with getting it, but we yeah. didn't go that way. So. <laughs> yeah, get over um, there soon. Coming up, pizza tour details. The first Al sits down with whiskey makers Ashley and Colby Frey of Frey Ranch. This is Food and Loaf. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast, restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. I 
I am here with an interview that is long overdue with Colby and Ashley Frey from Frey Ranch Distillery. We're here in the Vegas Test Kitchen today getting ready for a, what is this, a practice run for your dinner? You know, tonight is the media night where we have amazing people that support us and and media out here to come and meet us and, and taste our whiskey. And then you are doing a you're doing one of these for the masses uh, tomorrow, correct? Yeah, tomorrow's open to the public. That's very cool. Um, so, Frey Ranch Distillery. For those who are um, tuning in for the first time, may not be familiar with you, or maybe have just seen your bottles up on the shelves of some of the finest bars here in Las Vegas. Frey Ranch is um, a Nevada. A distillery, but it's more than that. It is actually a ranch, as the name implies. I've been up there. You're in northern Nevada. Remind me the name of the town. One more Fallon, time. Nevada. Fallon, Nevada. Yes. I just wanted to make sure I didn't offend anybody up there by getting it wrong. Um, and it's sort of, what, about 45 minutes outside of Reno? Yeah, probably an hour, but yeah, okay. east of Reno. It was a fun bus ride out there because, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of drinking, a lot of whiskey yeah. on that bus Probably from even Reno. more fun on the way home. Yeah. I heard yeah. you guys had to stop for a beer on the way back, too, huh? Well, you know, when you get a bunch of people that are representing um, alcohol distributors on a bus and they have to be on a bus, they're coming from a whiskey distillery, going back to the hotel. Yeah, they sort of insisted that the bus make a stop <laughs> on the way back. Uh, but it was it was a great party. And I was up there last fall for what you guys call your harvest Harvest Festival? Yes. Or just Harvest? Harvest Festival. Harvest Festival. Um, I have described it to people as really just sort of an open house at the time that you're doing your harvest. But what was a lot of fun for it to me? Now, you know, I write about food and beverage, and I've been to a lot of distilleries. I've been to a lot of places where alcohol is made. It's very infrequently that I'm able, and a couple times it's happened, but very infrequently where I can go to some place where I can actually see where the plants are being grown that grow into this whiskey. I can watch how it's harvested. I actually went into your malt house. I watched how you know the corn or the corn kernels were allowed to kind of sprout in the beginning of the malt, um, right down to how the distilling went to you know stand over the the, the um I don't know what the percolation that's going up with all that uh, is that carbon monoxide the that's coming off fermentation of it? with the CO two coming through. Yes, yeah. and and it, it's just crazy right down to where you actually you know not only do you put it in the um, the barrels, but then you, you light up one of those brands and you branded the barrel for us. And of course, you poured us some taste and it was a lot of fun. Now, is that just something you do to kind of introduce people to your pro- product? Yeah. So our, our trademark is from ground to glass. We have total control over the entire process. And the goal for that whole um, whiskey harvest was to show everybody the entire process of making whiskey, which there's very few distilleries in the world that can do that, that, that actually grow their own grains and, and malt their own um, grains and and so it was really our our time to show everybody what we can do. Yeah, and also I should say that it's not just that you also um, taught me how to shoot kernel or ears of corn out of a cannon. <laughs> Try to do some target. Pr- I mean, you guys yeah. do some crazy stuff e- up there. <laughs> everybody needs a corn cannon, and so for everybody that doesn't know what that is, it's a compressed air cannon that shoots full kernels of corn and we had buckets and everybody was trying to shoot them into the buckets <laughs> and i didn't come anywhere close did anybody make it into the bucket we had one, one, one person guy, yeah. yeah jason lockard made it yep very cool do you do that um do you practice that when you guys are at home so is that usually we have to have fresh corn so it's kind of a seasonal thing it's towards the end of the season during harvest we pick a bunch of corn and we shoot it and so we're actually next weekend which will be the 15th we will have uh, the corn cannons going again for the general public that can come and, and try their hand at shooting corn cobs into into whiskey barrels that are probably six or seven hundred feet away. I mean, they're far. <laughs> yeah, I came no place close, but it was a lot of fun. It, it was totally, it was a great event. Thank you so much for having me up for that. Um, and thanks for having me out today and being here at Vegas Test Kitchen. This is one of my favorite places in Las Vegas. You just never know what you're going to experience when you come to the Test Kitchen. And of course, always checking out Secret Burger and other places for the surprise events. Um you have brought in a couple great chefs. Do you want to talk about the chefs? You know, obviously the the meal will be long gone when um or done by the time that we we've done the you know by people hear this. But you know, I believe if I'm not mistaken, you have Justin Kingsley Hall cooking for this event, and I believe you have Roy Elmar cooking for this event. Yeah, two so, amazing chefs. Yeah, I just had some of the the um, 
short rib. The short rib. And holy cow, it was amazing. Like my mouth's watering right now. He gave me a little tiny piece, which is probably worse than not giving me any because <laughs> right now I'm like sitting here thinking about it the whole time. It's amazing. So we're so excited. Yeah, and, and so I'm excited about all the cocktail pairings. Yeah. Yeah, and we're going to start talking about, um, well, we're going to sip a little whiskey momentarily here. But uh, do, do you mind if I ask how you got in touch with Justin and Roy? Because they're two fantastic chefs and they both seem perfectly... Uh, a perfect fit for the that harvesty vibe that I got from you guys. We're so lucky because Rob Amato is our our market manager in Las Vegas, and he knows them and set us set everything mm-hmm. up for us. and And so, being in Fallon, Nevada, we're kind of out of the loop, and we're just lucky to have Rob help us. Cool. Um, so, there's so many things that I want to get into, but you know, one of the things and. I, I'm just my mind is blown with all the other many things I want to talk about, but. Um, I guess the biggest question is, how did you get started in the whiskey business? Because you are a farmer by by birth, correct? Yep. yep. So my, my family's been farming in northern Nevada since 1854. Nevada didn't become a state until 1864, 10 years later. And we've been continually farming ever since. And so since I was a little boy, I just wanted to be a farmer. That was my goal in life. And then as I got older, I started to really love whiskey. And we were looking for ways to showcase the crops that we're growing and we thought, what better way to showcase those crops than to make it into whiskey and be able to share them with people, you know, like as, as a farmer, we don't get out much. And so <laughs> just selling grain on the open market, there's really no future in that for long-term farming. And so um, we thought this is the best way for us to really showcase those grains and, and let people like you and, and other people experience it with us. Yeah. And I think what I love most about our product and our whole um production is that none of those ingredients have ever left our possession until we have visitors in the tasting room take a bottle home. So we've had, like Colby mentioned, total control over that entire process from ground to glass. Well, and when did you actually start? So uh, that's kind of a long story, but we started legally distilling <laughs> yeah. in 2006. Okay. We actually had a federal experimental license, but there were no state laws to regulate the alcohol production. And so it wasn't until 2013 until we finally got laws passed to allow the operation of craft distilling. And so that's when we can actually start selling it, making it, producing it, producing it commercially. And so, um, yeah, we didn't release our first whiskeys until December of 2019. Okay. So, wow. Very uh, relatively new product yeah. on the market. Um, you definitely seem to be going for that. Uh, actually, before I talk about what the whiskey is and before we start sipping it, what's the learning curve on how to make whiskey? Because you were born into how to grow grain. And, you know, I don't know, did you ever have a still in the backyard that you were so, doing kind of as a, you know, that you'd, once the statute of limitations is passed that we could talk about? Yeah. <laughs> so it was really a blessing in disguise that we got our experimental license, but not a commercial license. Because from 2006 till 2013, we played around with different grain varieties, different irrigation techniques, different fertilizer management, all the things in the field. Then we brought that into the distillery and we played around with different mash bills, different yeast varieties, you know, all those different chars on the barrels, everything. So that in 2013, when we got the laws passed, we knew exactly what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise because it really made us slow down. And so a lot of people that create a distillery just create a distillery and they, they need to start producing and they need to start selling. And, and we really took it the slow way and figured it out and really kind of honed our, our craft before we actually got our commercial license in 2013. And we really hit the ground running and created a, a decent quantity of spirit then, mm-hmm. which um, wasn't available for commercial sale until 2019 because we had to age it. So, I mean, that's the thing about whiskey is you can't just make it today and sell it tomorrow. You got to wait years. Well, if you want it to be good. Yeah, yeah, if you want it to be good. And and that was our whole thing from the beginning is we didn't want to release a a young whiskey. We wanted to, um, uh, you only get one first impression. And so if we released a two-year-old whiskey or a three-year-old whiskey or really a, a young whiskey at the beginning, we, we, we don't have another opportunity to have a first impression. And so we wanted that first impression to be quality. Mm-hmm. How many whiskeys do you make right now? Actually, I guess it might be yeah. two questions. How many do you make and how many do you sell? Right? Because yeah, I'm it's, guessing it's, you may be making things for that's, future releases. That's, that's a really good question. So our production is 80% bourbon, 
15% rye and 5% other stuff. And we tell everybody that it's 5% of our production, but it's 95% of the fun. <laughs> and so we have, I mean, we have 100% corn whiskey. We have 100% malted barley whiskey. We have 100% unmalted barley whiskey. We have 100% rye, which is what we always uh, sell. We have 100% wheat. So, and then we have uh, 100% a 100% oats. 100% oat whiskey. We have a smoked oat and rye. We have a, um, a scotch style where it's actually smoked oat. We have a quad malt, which is wheat, rye, barley, and corn in the same ratios as our bourbon, but all four grains are malted. So you can <laughs> wow. taste what those flavor you know, profiles contribute by having all the grains malted. Um, we have um, we have five grain bourbons with oats as a fifth grain. We have four grain bourbons where our wheat is replaced with oats, and we have a four grain bourbon where our our rye is replaced with oats just to see what that <laughs> flavor profile is. That's super small production. Like, I mean, but, some yeah, of them but, we only have about two barrels two each barrels, year. Two really? barrels, ten, two yeah. to ten barrels of each one, and so it's super small. Only in the distillery, we put those in three seven fives, <laughs> and uh, we only sell those in the distillery. Cool. The special one. So of all the ones that you just mentioned, how many of them can people get in Las Vegas? And can we get them in our liquor stores or do we have to go to certain bars or clubs or? So none of well, them. But, yeah. Well, the, the, the specialty ones are only available at the distillery. No, no retail locations right now. So right now in Vegas, you can get our, our um, traditional 90 proof bourbon, which is four grains, wheat, rye, barley, and corn. You can get our 100% rye whiskey, um, which is really good. It's bottled in bond. Um, both of them have won tons of awards. And then you can also get our single barrel, which is our barrel strength option, which is anywhere from 120 proof to we just released our first hazmat barrel. <laughs> I saw that hazmat online. Hazmat <laughs> is uh, 140 or more. It's our first one we ever had. It We had a line from the distillery. If you remember the, the, the area there, the distillery all the way past the silos, which, I mean, is several hundred feet long. Yeah, we only crazy. had 120 bottles and we had... A lot of people in line, and we, not everybody got one. We had a guy, uh, three guys that came from the Arizona-Mexico border. They drove all the way there. People from Oregon, from San Francisco, mm -hmm. Sacramento, all over the place. They We actually had our first campers that got there at 10 yeah. o'clock at night. You could call them happy so, campers. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's very cool. And, you know, I, like I said, I've seen your stuff in definitely some of my favorite cool bars here in Las Vegas. It's usually the higher end places mm -hmm. that have it. But it's this is not a whiskey that's out of the price range of the average person. I mean, you know, as somebody who has purchased some super expensive <laughs> bottles of whiskey in my day, your stuff is definitely affordable. But I feel like I could drink it next to the pricey stuff, you know, the super pricey stuff. What's the um, what's the retail at, if I were to go into a Lee's or a, you know, total. Yeah, so um, on our bourbon suggested retail price, 49 and on our rye, 59 So very affordable. Yeah. So single barrels are 85 and they're barrel proof. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So what did, what did you pour out for me today? <laughs> Perfect. So we poured um, our bourbon here on the left. Okay. And then our middle option is the rye. And then we brought straight from the tasting room some of our 100% wheat whiskey. Okay. Um, I recommend starting with the bourbon. It's okay. a 90 proof, four grain. It's got our corn, wheat, barley, and rye, all 100% grown right on the farm. Now, Aged for five years. Yeah, most bourbons are corn, barley, and rye, or corn, barley, and wheat. This is four grain. It's got corn, barley, wheat, and rye. And so to be called bourbon, it has to meet five requirements. The first is it has to be 51% or more corn. Has to be distilled to no more than 160 proof. That means you can't distill it to super high proof and take out all the flavors like a vodka or anything like that. Has to be put in a new barrel. Has to be put in that barrel at no more than 125 proof. And then it has to be made in the United States. So like it's our drink in the United States where like we can't make scotch and call it scotch. We can't make tequila. We can't make cognac. Well, nobody else can make bourbon. Do other countries respect that? Because we don't always respect other countries' rules on that. For example, California champagne comes to mind, right? Yeah, and that, that was a big one. I think they got grandfathered in because when the laws got made, as like Corbell, for example, they, they were California champagne. And uh, they started doing that before the laws got made. So they, they actually got grandfathered in. And I think France was actually maybe okay with it as long as we put in laws for everybody else. And some there's a weird story about that that... Yeah. Got to look yeah. up now. Yeah. But uh, but if I go overseas, the other countries will respect that not calling it bourbon unless it's oh, made yeah. in the U.S. Like you'll see Japanese yeah. whiskey, which is just you know a Essentially grain. Scotch yeah. is mm -hmm. Japanese whiskey, but they don't call it mm -hmm. Scotch. And, yeah, mm -hmm. cool. Um, you know, it's interesting, and I would say what I taste on this, but it, I don't tell people what I taste on a whiskey 
for the reason of trying to tell them what they should mm-hmm. taste. I always talk to people, and it's interesting, and my listeners know I don't drink very much anymore. It's just doctor's orders, drank way too much for 30 years, and you know, just got to behave yourself. But because of the fact that I don't, I like to keep good spirits around my house so that if I do pour myself an ounce you know, on a Friday and just want to sit down and sip it and taste it, I really can now pick out the pick out the taste and decide what I'm enjoying. And my wife and I like to sit there and talk to each other about what we're tasting on it. But I'd say it to people, a lot of people, I think, say when you start describing what you taste on a whiskey, people feel that you're being pretentious, right? Same with the wine, 100% the same, and maybe even in craft beers. I don't see it as a pretentiousness of me declaring it. To me, it's a quest. It's a quest to put into words these really ephemeral ideas that you're picking up on your taste buds. Maybe they're bringing you back to memories of times gone by. Maybe you're associating it with a a time in your past, not an actual ingredient, and you try to say what you pick up on it, right? And so for me, it is fun to taste whiskey for that reason, so that I can sort of try to walk it through with my wife what what I'm tasting. So on this... Uh, the very first sip, and let me take a second one because the first sip is always to let your palate know that you're drinking whiskey before anything else, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always smoother on the second sip because your palate's mm-hmm. adjusted. Yep. I feel, now when I had it fresh off the bat, I felt a bit more of um, the kind of peppery, aggressive mm-hmm. flavors that I taste usually more in rye than I do in bourbons. Um, on the second taste, I get a bit more sweetness in it, a bit more caramel on it. On the nose, I feel this is almost like a straightforward bourbon nose, right? This is what I just get whenever I open a bottle of bourbon. It doesn't, it doesn't, to me, immediately betray any hints of what you're going to get on the palate. But it's it's clearly smooth. It, you know, none of the medicinal, none of the you know the things that you could get from rough um, alcohol. Um, but it has a lot of character that is just fun to roll over your tongue and see what it is you're tasting. Yeah. I like that um, when I taste it, I can really pick out the grains and just that attention to all the little details of growing the grains doing everything right on site goes goes back to our goal of showcasing the grains and that's why we wanted to taste all four of them in the whiskey and it's really neat because we've had the wheat the rye the barley and the corn by themselves and i can really pick out each flavor when i taste the bourbon with all four grains in it i can taste all four grains in it and that's awesome like to to have that experience and that reference of having done them by themselves that you can then taste them within the the byproduct the mixture um did you have to learn to grow any new grains in order to do all of this or were these things you were already and your family had already been growing no ironically like when in in 2006 we started we planted there's hundreds if not thousands of varieties of each type of grain and we started planting them and the best one like for rye for example was this prima canadian rye that we'd always planted. We planted other varieties. They didn't taste as good. And we went back to this variety that we've grown for, I mean, as long as I know. And and we've always grown this Canadian variety. And so it's kind of cool because it's it's all the varieties of grain that we've always grown kind of made the best flavored whiskeys too, you know? That's cool. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't believe there's a right answer because I've had very smart people give me the exact opposite answers on this. Um, and sometimes... Their answer has to do with what the marketing campaign is. But, you know, frequently I think that people just have different opinions on this. So how much does terroir, the land on which you grow, the northern Nevada landscape, how much does it have an effect on grain that you can then taste in whiskey? You know, I think there's a lot more than just the dirt. Like in in wine, I think there's a lot more differences in terroir and and what, what they contribute to it. But... I think it also has a lot to do with the growing conditions, including like fertilizer management, irrigation management, a lot of other stuff besides just the dirt or just your season and everything else where like, for example, like certain varieties of, um, or well, certain types of fertilizer like nitrogen boosts protein in grain, protein and starch are inverse. So when one goes up, the other goes down. Well, the problem with that is we're looking for starch in the grains. So if we add a bunch of fertilizer, we might increase our yield, but then that also boosts the protein and lowers the starch, which is bad for us. Protein is a nuisance. We don't really care for it in the distillery. Um, We're looking for that starch, which is essentially a long sugar molecule, which gets fermented into alcohol during the fermentation process. And so by growing our own grains, we can tailor the grains for what we want. I think there's a big disconnect between farmers and distillers where farmers have a hard time understanding what the distillers need and i think distillers have a hard time articulating what they want or how to get it 
from the farmer. Mm -hmm. And so by really understanding both sides, I think we can get the best of both worlds. And, and so it's even further than just terroir or just our soil where um, grain is a lot more consistent, like I said, than, than fruit or, or wine where you can grow. I mean, look at there's Budweiser breweries throughout the United States that make the same flavored beer right. in different states. You know, you couldn't do that with a, with a winery, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it has more to do with the growing conditions and the growing practices than I, I believe than it does with the actual dirt itself. So do you think, and first of all, we love that you're Nevada based and that's one of the reasons I want to have you on here. Um, but do you think it is more about the farmer than it is about the location of the farm? I, I believe it is. And I believe what really, um, like, like our advantage is, is we have that 165 years of knowledge on what to do and even more importantly, what not to do in our specific soil with our irrigation techniques, with our, um, weather and, and our, our, ecosystem and everything else and so that really helps us to grow better quality grains and with anything with better inputs you end up with better outputs you know with better food in the kitchen you end up with a better meal at the end with better ingredients in the distillery we end up with better whiskey in the end with better grains that's our, that's our whole goal and as you've been saying that thank you very much because you gave me a nice time to try to check out the nose on the next bottle what okay. are we drinking right now straight rye 100 mm -hmm. percent rye and so just for those of you that don't know, rye is a huge pain to make in the distillery. So <laughs> there's these polymers that are made during the um, when you mash in rye, and they're almost like like the easiest way to they're like slimy. You stick your finger in it, and you you put your fingers together and pull them apart, and it's like stringy and slimy. <laughs> well, the problem with that is is during fermentation it creates CO2. That CO2 has no way to evacuate up towards the top that it doesn't dissipate out into the into the atmosphere because it gets entrapped in this like slime. So it, it grows in the fermenters and it often overflows inside <laughs> the tank and everything. So that's why to be called rye whiskey, it only has to be 51% or more rye. And so a lot of times you see other grains in there that helps like get the viscosity low enough that it can dissipate those 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 that co2 out of the tank i had no idea of any of that until just now so thank you very much for that in the meantime you also gave me some time to mm -hmm. sip and to try to taste and i would say um it, it's kind of strange and again maybe i overly simplify or maybe my brain just draws connections based on words and things like that but one thing is rye to me Rye whiskey compared to bourbon reminds me of rye bread versus a white bread, right? I mean, exactly, it just feels yeah. like so much more character, so much more depth to what you're getting out of it. Sometimes a bit more aggressive, um, not in a not in a harsh alcohol, you know, way, but just aggressive flavors that are that are going for your palate, but not aggressive in overpowering. More like aggressive that are seeking your attention, and that if, if you do take your time with this you will notice just little things on different sides of your palate with each each bite or each sip that you take yeah so rye is a spicy grain like it mm -hmm. contributes spice and that's that's what's neat about it here and that's what's so fun about like our our goal was to showcase the grains again so like you taste our oat whiskey and it tastes like oatmeal almost the rye like tastes like rye bread compared to like you know all mm -hmm. these different grains and so you can taste all the flavors so Ashley, tell them about all the awards that this rye got. Yeah, so we got uh, top 10 in the Whiskey Advocate, nice. um, which was amazing. We got rated a 93, and they advertised that their top 10 whiskeys hailed from Kentucky, Tennessee, Nevada, Scotland, <laughs> and Ireland. So wow. to be um, lumped in with that, you know, amazing regions where they've been producing whiskey for hundreds of years was um, such an amazing award for us. Very cool. To get. Um, and well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, speaking of Nevada, you know, I had a great time when I was up there. I forget. Could remind me the name of the chef that you had cooking? Mark mm -hmm. Esty. Yes, very cool yeah. chef. Um, fantastic food. Also met Kelly Kelly for yeah. the first time she's when I was the up there, player. and I've I've had the chance to hang out with her. Usually, I end up missing her when she's in Vegas, but occasionally we get to have a meal or a bite or a drink. And super, first of all, super smart woman, a person who's very passionate about the culinary culture and the farming 
culture of your area. And I think a lot of my listeners, you know, Vegas loves to go kind of farm to table, but we don't have a lot of farms, right? So we have chefs that, and we, we have people who are purveyors that go and talk to these chefs about which farmer markets the purveyors visit. And tr we a lot of people here try to get, a lot of chefs here try as best they can, Roy Elmar being one of them, to get things that were grown very close to, you know, whether it be just on the other side of the California border or up in Pahrump where there are some farms, things like that. Um, but as I talked to Kelly at your event, uh, she really turned me on to how the chefs up there in northern Nevada and the farmers seem to have a pretty solid connection and a pretty solid relationship. Could you expound on that at all? Yeah, so Kelly Kelly runs the Fallon Food Hub, which is a great um, hub for all of the local farmers to really sell their produce um, through. And so some of the local farms, like Latin Farms, grow cantaloupe, which Colby grew up in Fallon. So um, he knows all about the Hearts of Gold cantaloupe, which I think we had during, was that happy hour? Yeah, I think we oh, did. Oh, it was so good. It was really good. Yeah, so yeah, with some prosciutto around yes. it, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I remember. And that's hard because I ate a lot of dishes between yeah. now, then and now. So, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so and then Mark Estes really good. So he's uh, kind of a, a big restaurateur around the northern Nevada and has a few TV shows, I think, that he, mm -hmm. he um, starred in. And, um, really a great chef. And Kelly Kelly is like the biggest supporter of local produce and, and the Fallon Food Hub. She's the biggest advocate of, of local farmers and, and really helps a lot of them get started. Yeah, I think one of the things that was kind of disappointing to me was when I just realized the geography of it and things that are grown up there, it's not really easy for chefs down here in Vegas to get it, which would be, you know, because we're a big state. And that's yeah. a long yeah, way to, a for long that way. stuff to travel mm -hmm. yeah. when, you know, to call it still local, you know? What's great about our area is we have a fairly high elevation and we're right in the middle. And so we call it the high desert and it's really hot days and really cold nights. And that really helps the plants grow during the hot days and breed during the cool nights. And so that really adds those complex sugars and stuff in, in fruits. And so that's why we've been known for cantaloupe. <laughs> and uh, we have the cantaloupe festival every year. And, and our hearts of gold cantaloupes used to be shipped in the early 1900s all the way to New York to the Waldorf Astoria and they were like a delicacy and it'd be like the equivalent of like a hundred dollars to have a <laughs> slice of cantaloupe, you know, in today's money wow. at the Waldorf Astoria. Just because if you think about it in the 1900s, how hard is it to get the cantaloupe all the way there? You know, how it's just Impossible logistically almost, it'd yeah. be so hard, but they got it and they're super perishable. And so they got it there in time and wow. people got to eat it. It was mm -hmm. Big delicacy. That's very cool. What is this third whiskey? I know so you guys the, have to start yeah, serving so we, people uh, soon. <laughs> the third whiskey that we're trying today is from our single grain series. So this one is um, one of the um, innovative products that Colby was talking about in 5% of our production. Mashville is 100% wheat. Um, we only had, I believe, six barrels of this last year, and that's why they're in the 375 bottles. Um, but really to highlight, again, the, the wheat that we grow right on the farm and the attributes that it brings and um, contributes to the whiskey. And again, you know, I don't claim that my observations are anything anybody should base their expectations on. It's, this is just Al doing a mental exercise in his own head, which is the way I think we should all do about a lot of topics when we drink, to be honest. But um, I, I get a sweetness off of this, but it's mm -hmm. not a caramelly sweetness. Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of sweetness. So and normally when I'm drinking a whiskey, you know, the, the sugar that I find will have a caramel characteristic to it. But this I'm getting a different kind of sugar. I don't know like how to describe sugar, it. Maybe. Yeah, that that yeah. that would work. Yeah. And, and for me, this one's more about like the mouthfeel. And I really think that that's what contributes like that kind of creamy mouthfeel to our traditional bourbon is the wheat and this i get that on this one where it kind of coats the inside of your mouth with yeah mm -hmm. I, I definitely feel that as well so and that is the fun of whiskey tasting right again i i tell you if anybody's listening to this and think it just sounds like i'm making things up or whatever yeah i am kind of making things up but that's the fun of it as far as i'm concerned so i hope you guys can try to do it and make things up as well at home when you try and definitely buy all three bottles and have them next to each other that's yeah, my that's, advice yeah. um question about visiting your distillery uh, are you open to the public and how frequently sure yeah we're open every saturday from noon to four we do complimentary tours and tastings and we do like people to join our email list and you can find that at the pop-up on our website freyranch.com we always do all of our special releases like the single barrel or the hazmat release or when we do our single grain series we'll announce it to our email subscribers first um, which is always a, a really exciting time to be like the first to know. And, and those are the people that are lining up 
at the door and kind of getting in on those special bottles first. Our email list we call the dirt. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, just like Motley Crue, yeah. right? <laughs> There's that, I'm sure that's who you took it from. You wanted to be just like them. Uh, guys, this has been absolutely fantastic. It's great to reconnect with you again. Um, it's great to taste your whiskeys, and um, I'm excited about having the meal. So thanks so much for having me out here. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. It's time for the news. James Beard Award winner Alon Shia is heading to the Strip. The Israeli-American chef will open a modern Mediterranean restaurant with Middle Eastern influences at Win Las Vegas in winter 2023. No word yet on what that will be called. And this comes in the wake of David Morris's report for Travel and Leisure that the Venetian is getting a pair of restaurants from Israeli chef Ayal Shani. He'll open an outpost of his fast casual Miznone chain at the resort later this year, followed by an incarnation of his restaurant, Hasalan, in the spring. Uh, we got to sample some of the food from Miznone a couple of weeks ago yeah. at a Venetian um, dine around, and it was very cool. Green beans, which are not a favorite of mine, done amazingly well um, at that at that um, little dine around that they did. So. Uh, Also, I told you last week about a new pizza tour coming from our friends at Finger Licking Foodies Tours. Well, I sat down this week with the founder of that company, which is a sister company of Lip Smacking Foodie Tours. So here is Donald Contersi giving me some more details on his tour. The uh, pizza tour we're doing here in Vegas, we already have one in uh, Chicago, my hometown, but now, you know, I live in Vegas and we want to showcase the best pizzerias uh, in in Las Vegas. And we have an uh, experience uh, Sunday, November 6th, uh, geared to locals, uh, limited to 35 guests, and they get to go to three different pizzerias, uh, transportations included uh, between them, uh, local beer, and then uh, two different styles of pizza, and then uh, some experiential. So uh, John Arena over at Metro pizza is going to get everybody a ball of dough to teach them how to sheet it out onto into a pizza and over at pizza rock we're going to do a tasting of their uh, signature pizza sauces so it's a whole experience great pizza great local beers uh, a fun fun night out and we're looking forward to doing more of these in the future with different foods you said transportation is provided so is it kind of going to be a party bus sort of scene in between it is going to be a party, uh, but it's not going to be too crazy. Uh, we're going to, everyone's going to meet at Metro Pizza, uh, and then there's going to be a shuttle. It's a beautiful shuttle that takes you to the different pizzerias after, and then it'll take everyone back to Metro Pizza if that's where they parked. Which Metro is it starting at? Uh, Tropicana. Uh, so the, the big location uh, you know, it allows us uh, space to, to do that experience with the dough. Do you plan to do more of these in the future and along pizza, specifically to pizza? And if so, will you be changing up the pizzerias or do you think you've got the perfect three right now? So uh, I, I think it's been very popular. We've sold tickets uh, the moment we announced it, and uh, I think it's going to be a phenomenal experience. And I think we'll probably run it more than just the one time. Uh, everybody loves pizza. You can never get tired of it. And it would be nice to showcase different pizzerias around town. There's, there's a couple others that aren't included that I would like to showcase. Maybe we could pick a different segment of town. Uh, but we're kind of going with the first one. We're going to uh, move into barbecue next. Uh, and so we have some other ideas a dessert tour, and then maybe circle back to everyone's favorite pizza. Cool. So hit me one more time with the date, the time, the price, and where people can buy tickets. So the price is $125 per person. That includes everything. A beer at each of the three stops, uh, transportation, uh, multiple stops, and back to your car. Uh, It's Sunday, November 6th at 5 p.m. It's about a three-hour experience. Uh, Plenty of food, about two to three different styles of pizza from each. Uh, The chef's owners are going to come out. Uh, give a full experience. It's great time. It's going to be a great time. Great, great date. Uh, family friendly, and um, yeah. And where do they get tickets? Oh, uh, fingerlickingfoodietours.com/slash/vegaspizzatour. Uh, and one more from me. I just got word that Susan Feniger is now in town. Um, And it looks like she will be attending the Signan Mezcal Tasting Dinner being held tonight, if you're listening on Friday, October 21st, at Border Grill. It's a pretty awesome deal. $79 for three courses and the Mezcal pairing. That includes tax and tip. And now you get to meet Chef Susan. This is also a chance to get to know the new executive chef, John Baez. Uh, I have an interview with Chef John coming up next week. We'll tell you more about next week momentarily. Uh, So I think you're going to hear that next week. But for now, here he is talking about Friday. 
Friday's dinner. Very excited about it. It is a um, mezcal pairing dinner um, with Zignum Mezcal. This is a mezcal out of Oaxaca, Mexico. Uh, for those that do not know, Oaxaca is one of the biggest culinary epicenters of Mexico, um, land of the seven moles, they call it. So um, we're going to be featuring a chachilo mole with a braised lamb barbacoa that's also smoked. Um, that's going to be our main course. We'll start off with a couple of hand-passed apps. Um, these are going to be mini tlayudas. If people aren't familiar with tlayudas, it's almost very similar to a, a, a Mexican pizza, if you will, for lack of a better term. But um, we have um, those being offered as our past app when people arrive, as well as a welcome cocktail that is very refreshing, very um, nice and clean. Um, second course, we'll feature a lobster and carrot aguachile. Um, it's going to be a beautiful balance of a little bit of heat, some, spi some, some spice with, uh, <laughs> with that, um, some sweetness, and um, a little tartness as well. Going back to those three flavor balances that I usually, I really try to incorporate in every dish that I create. Um, we're going to finish that off with a Mexican pumpkin pie. That's um, All of these courses are going to be infused with um, the different types of mezcal that these, uh, this Zignum company has um, paired up with us. We have a Hoven, we have a Reposado, an Añejo, and we also are featuring a Cristalino. That sounds like fun, and I did tease next week. I should let you guys know that I am not going to be here for next week's episode. Oh, I'm giving you the boot. Give yeah. me the boot. Yeah. Get me the hell out of here. Taking a little vacation, and it's so weird. You know, I never would be one to really say, oh, I'm getting out of town. I'm losing it. Because I come from that background where you just work 24 hours yep. a day, seven days a week. And since becoming an, my own boss, that's even worse. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, I never really brag about getting away. I usually try to make an excuse about how, well, I'm going away, but I'm going to be reporting on it. Or right. I'm going to be posting. Or I'm going to meet people. Don't you dare. I'm not doing yeah. shit. And here's the reason. <laughs> Good for you. No, honestly, we've been doing so much, or not enough but a little bit of conversation yeah. on this show about the need for mental health, physical health. Yes. Take care of yourself. Don't work yourself too hard. We work in an industry, or I report on an industry, the restaurant industry, yep. where this is a real problem and people are literally dying of not taking care of themselves. Yeah. And it is a fucking problem. And I suddenly realized I need to practice what I preach. Yep. And, you know, I'm burnt out. I need a little time off. And I'm not ashamed to say that I cashed in a shitload of Amex points yes. and we are getting the hell away. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to give you too many details about it because it's not it's not for reporting on. But, right. Gemini, I'm hoping that you will do some form of podcast Absolutely. next week with Mr. Rich here. Yeah, yep. we'll think We're going to do it. our yeah. best to make you proud. Cool, and I'm going to send you some materials. Hopefully you have great. a little bit of my voice. Maybe you and I will go to an event um, this week that you could talk about Sounds when you great. come back. But, you know, do whatever you want. F food and Loathing, it's supposed to be a culinary conversation with people who give a shit about food. It doesn't require me. It requires just people who give a shit about food, and that's you guys. So I'm happy um, to leave it on you for that. Well, you are very humble because yeah. I do think it requires you, but we will do yes. our best, and you'll still be part of it in one way or the other. So, so we can record live from Wiener Schnitzel. Right? <laughs> you can, man. Do it, do it up, brother. Oh yeah. my God, I almost want to now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to throw out there that Ferguson's downtown is hosting Co-Ferment this Sunday. Um, I talked to Jared with Alt Imports via Instagram. It sounds like this particular event is going to be once a year, but he does a lot of other things. He's doing it as part of Ferguson's Pour in the Alley series that they have kind of. It's not really a set schedule, but they do different things. They've had gin before and wine and vodka and things mm -hmm. like that. So this is all natural wines, and it's sort of an, a natural wine expo. They're going to have uh, 20 different wine producers, educational experiences around the event food vendors live music so if you want to go hang out check that out it's $30 per person and can be purchased at fergusonsdowntown.com slash pour in the alley and if you're still on the booze thing I've been looking at a lot of those lately I got to tell you uh, if you're interested in booze pairing dinners there's two I know of coming up uh, very soon secretburger.com will have the tickets to veggie nations Oktoberfest collaboration with local brew pioneer can't even speak today. Pioneer Craft House Brewery on Thursday, October 27th. And if whiskey is more your style, you can visit liquorworld.com for their journeyman distillery dinner with buffet eats, a tasting class, and more. Your $99.99 ticket includes a full-size bottle of the single barrel chosen by Liquor World called Last Feather Rye. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And if, you, if, you, if you're not a drinker or you only want one bottle for your house, they do have an option on the ticket page where you can get a ticket without the bottle. So it'll be even less. Cool. And those Neat. can be found at liquorworldlv.com slash events. And you just have to scroll down the calendar to November 1st. 
That sounds awesome. Uh, speaking of events, by the way, I guess I should break this news while I'm here since Uh-oh. I'm going to be away from Please. Me. Just came from a meeting with um, Chef Brian Howard of Sparrow and Wolf. We One of the things Brian. that I wanted to do um, with Neon Feast all along was really to get it out of just being me having a podcast and me having an app. I mean, I want to really build sense of community. Absolutely. Uh, so I have long wanted to start some cooking demos where yes. we get chefs Ooh. out of their kitchens and yes. go someplace on location. So we are going to be doing the first. Details still need to be hashed out, but it'll be November 14th. It will be between 6 and 7 p.m., and it is at Appliance by Design. My wife happens to work over at Oh, I was going to say, that sounds so, familiar. Uh, they have yeah. a brand-new showroom, beautiful. They're over on um, D. Martin Drive by Warm Springs Road. And by the way, if you're looking for kitchen appliances, shout-out to my wife's company, yes. Appliance by Design. They have a gorgeous new showroom in there with lots of show kitchens. So we're going to get Brian in there on the 14th. He's going to make a dish. We're going to record it. We'll put it up on um, the Neon Feast YouTube channel, which we're getting started now. Uh, we'll give some copies to Brian so he can put it up on the Sparrow and Wolf page. Uh, Brian's going to be giving away some tickets to some of their customers. We're going to be starting a, um, a, a contest campaign online through the um, Neon Feast you know, Facebooks and Instagrams and all that kind of Great. shit. My social media team will be handling that. But for now, look, if any of you are listing, I, I know Rich always gives out this info at foodandloathing.vegas as an email address. I rarely check it, but I do once in a while. Um, but look, and if you're waiting for a response from us, yeah, that's why. Sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I check it often enough. But um, look, we're going to open that up, and I'm going to be checking that a lot the minute I get back from from uh, my little vacation. So if you want to win a pair of tickets to this event right now, just email info at foodandloathing.vegas and just put tickets in the subject line, and we'll choose at least one or two of you to give a pair of tickets to. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, that sounds fun. I mean, I'm excited about just, you know, again, cooking demos, get a crowd out there, do a little question and answer with Brian. It's only an hour after work on a Monday night. Something Absolutely. To do. Um, I believe my friends at a certain spirit company are going to be sponsoring a <laughs> cocktail. I'll have more on that. I'll have more on the dish when I get back. Yeah. That sounds great. And that's it. And that is it. So thanks to everyone who spoke to us this week. If we could only remember who they were. <laughs> well, yeah, first of all, thanks to the phrase from Frey Ranch. They were amazing. It's always yeah. fun to sit down with them. And um, thank you all for listening to my silly tasting notes on the whiskey, because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking yeah. about, but I do <laughs> like to talk. And, of course, tell a friend about Food and Loathing anywhere you listen to podcasts, which, of course, you figured out if you're listening to this podcast. Just mm-hmm. tell other people. And, of course, if you have that question, info. At foodandloathing.vegas, Al promises he will actually read them. <laughs> I will read them. There's a lot of emails out There's there. There's a lot of email yeah. out there. Uh, hey, if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you'll find it at Neon Feast. And if you're more about the laptop than the phone, just head to neonfeast.com. If you're interested in what I'm up to, you want to know, I didn't eat so many tacos this time, but we (laughs) did order a bunch of sandwiches recently. So that's going to go up online. If you want to read about uh, the hard hat opening this weekend, you can find me on the socials at Wishbone and Vine. And if this podcast isn't enough for you, have no fear. I am always out there talking food at other venues, or at least I will be after taking a little break. <laughs> um, for example, you can see me every other Wednesday on the CW Las Vegas at approximately 8.15 a.m. on Wake Up with the CW. Or you can catch me all week long on the Neon Feast update on the Vibe. That's 99.7 here in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river. And those will be going straight through my little vacation because we recorded a couple extra Yes, we did. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm also every Thursday morning, except for this next one coming up. You can hear me around 8:10 a.m. on the club at AM 670 KMZQ with Samantha Gemini Stevens and producer Rich Johnson. I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Yeah.